0: Welcome to Globally Minded Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Mark, and this is a podcast of quick reviews and helpful tips on medical topics, cultures, customs, and sustainable practices that are applicable at home and abroad.
1: The opinions expressed are our own and do not represent those of our schools or our employers and are not meant for medical advice. It's just a little education and global exploration.
2: On today's podcast, we are covering malaria, hot and cold illnesses, and a tip to reduce our plastic waste. So let's get into it.
0: All right. So here it is. I'm so excited. This is our first globally minded medicine podcast. And um, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, I'm Dr. Mark. And joining me today are two of my wonderful medical students, uh, Weston and Claire. Hi, I'm Weston.
1: Hi, And I'm Claire.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you both
2: for joining me. Yeah. So, yeah, should we just jump into things? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to start us off with a little bit of a patient case. Uh, We have a 24-year-old male patient who presents to the emergency room with recurring high fevers, headache, and chills that started about one week after he returned from Tanzania. Nice. So fever in the returning traveler, classic. And a really great topic
0: to start us off uh, for our first
1: episode.
0: Uh, So Claire, what do you think of when you hear of fever in a returning traveler?
1: Well, I think it's easy to jump to the like tropical disease cause of fever, but it's important to remember that even in returning travelers, the most common of cause of fever might actually be a non-travel related cause, like respiratory cold or pneumonia, UTI, strep throat, things like that.
2: And I guess with the time we're living in right now, we should probably throw in COVID-19 to that mix. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> <I'm sure.
1: laughs>
2: yeah. Um, so you're, you're
0: absolutely correct, Claire. That's right. We don't necessarily want to focus so much on the travel that we forget about those common causes. Um, But since we are talking about globally-minded medicine, let's bring in some of those travel-related causes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so diarrhea is a pretty common occurrence in travelers and can sometimes cause fever. Typhoid certainly fits into this. Uh, But then you also have the mosquito-borne illnesses. Uh, To name a few, there's dengue, chikagunya, yellow fever, and of course, malaria.
2: Nice. And yeah, there's a bunch more, um, but today we're going to focus our discussion on malaria. So first uh, we both tell me what you both already know about malaria.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll jump in here first, Claire. Um, malaria is a potentially deadly disease transmitted by the Anopheles mosquito. And actually it, malaria makes up the top 10 list of causes of mortality in some areas of the world, which is, It's kind of crazy to think about, but yeah, it's, it's not just this, you know, occasional thing, but it's a, it's a serious cause of death in, in some places.
1: I knew it was a high, uh, just a high mortality rate because what I know about it is that about half the world's population is at risk for it. So that's kind of a big deal.
2: (laughs) I would agree. That's a huge deal. Um, Yeah. So just to give a little bit more background on malaria, in 2020, the World Health Organization estimated about 241 million cases and over 600,000 deaths worldwide. These numbers were um, a little bit worse in 2019, I think partially due to the disruptions caused by COVID-19.
1: Mm, yeah, there have been a lot of disruptions, both globally and individually, for that.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. So, Weston, what else can you tell us about malaria?
2: Yeah, so... Um, Like you said earlier, it's transmitted by mosquitoes, and it is caused by a single-celled parasite called Plasmodium. Um, Do you know how many Plasmodium species cause malaria in people?
1: Oh, I think there are five, but I only know two: Um, P. falciparum and P. vivax.
0: Uh, that's okay, Claire. Those are the only two
2: I ever remember Even <laughs> Same. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, those are the two good ones to remember because those two cause the most um, issues. And Plasmodium falciparum is definitely the deadliest, uh, but some others are P. malariae, P. Valley, and P. nalessi. And while malaria is found in tropical and subtropical areas, actually about 95% of the cases and deaths occur in sub-Saharan Africa. Right. And it out of
0: those uh, populations there, it tends to really affect children under the age of five the most.
2: Yeah, that's really sad. Um, like 80% of the deaths happen in kids. Other high-risk groups include pregnant women, mobile populations, travelers with low immunity, and patients with AIDS.
1: So our patient in the case has a fever and headache and chills. What other symptoms does malaria cause?
2: Well, um, you can also get nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, muscle and joint aches, fatigue, and if the case is severe enough, altered mental status and death can occur within 24 hours of those severe symptoms starting.
1: Oh that's that's so fast. So it's definitely something you don't want to miss.
2: Definitely don't want to miss this. A- yeah. Um, symptoms usually come on about a week to a week and a half to two weeks after being bitten by an infected mosquito. But occasionally, it can take up to a year to manifest. So it's something you definitely want to keep on your differential, even if uh, your patient has traveled um, not as recently. Right. Yeah. With well, that remote travel, right? Good suggestion. So, um, how are we going to diagnose and treat our young man in the ER? Good question. Um, Well, if we are in a high area where we see this a lot, uh, there are rapid diagnostic tests that we can run.
0: That's right. The community health workers that I worked with when I was in Kenya, they had those. And so there were a few patients that we sent over there
2: to, uh, to get those rapid tests done. That's awesome that they had those. Uh, I think if you don't have those microscopy with a blood smear is the standard. And if you or your facility isn't used to seeing malaria cases, I think calling the lab and getting them involved uh, would be the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Use all your resources for that. For treatment, don't you just use the same medications that you would use for prevention?
2: Exactly. Yeah. But we typically use them at higher doses. The CDC is a good reference on the typical doses based on the type and region of the specific malaria species. Also, if it's severe malaria, you'll need to do IV artesanate, which depending on the hospital, isn't always available. So you may have to call the CDC's malaria hotline.
0: Nice. So treatment is important and good, but the best way to deal with malaria is to never get it, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's true. So I know you can take malaria medication before, during and after a trip for prevention, but what other means of prevention are there?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think with malaria, vector control is huge. Limiting mosquitoes um, living around or limiting mosquito populations living around your areas. Um, so like emptying water containers with standing water, using bug repellent, um, if you can sleep under an ex- insecticide treated bed net. Um and now there's even a new vaccine that is recommended by the world health organization for children living in those high risk areas, such as Africa. It's called the RTS S vaccine. And I think this is really cool because it's another tool that we can have in our belt, um, in preventing, um, further burden of disease from malaria.
0: Yeah, that's way exciting. Uh, well, thanks Weston. That was a great overview of malaria. Um, do you think you could take all the things we just discussed and maybe put it in a bite-sized portion for us?
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes, I can definitely do that. Um, So just to sum everything up, malaria is a major cause of mortality, especially in sub-Saharan Africa. It should definitely be in your differential for a fever in a returning traveler, or if you're just practicing in one of these high-risk areas, Vector control and a new malaria vaccine are big tools in our prevention toolbox. And last, we should be using regionally specific anti-malarial drugs for both prevention and treatment, and be sure to get our labs and pharmacy teams involved for suspected cases, as well as contacting the CDC if it's a severe case.
1: Nice. That was great. Thanks. Now, with all of this talk about mosquitoes, I'm just itching to know what's next.
0: (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, our next segment.
1: Had to, had to put another pun in yeah, there
0: for you. <laughs> I appreciate the puns. We'll try to keep those going. Um, yeah, so our next segment is all about cultures and customs. So I do think it's important before we start this discussion to mention that cultures and customs vary widely, even within small regional populations and even within families. So while it is helpful to broaden our understanding and knowledge about certain beliefs and traditions and practices common to certain regions and cultures, It's also important to stay culturally humble, right? To um, approach each individual individually.
2: Yeah, I think that we do need to remember that um, each person can fall anywhere on a wide spectrum of acceptance and adherence to all of these different beliefs and practices.
1: And what you just said about cultural humility, I think that's key too. So what are we discussing today?
2: Well, so I thought it'd be fun to discuss hot and cold diseases, uh, hot and colds, mm. like, are you going to hide something for us to find?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is a, a childhood game, you know, hot and cold, um, getting warmer, but, um, the hot and cold theory or the hot and cold concept of disease is an idea that illness is related to, uh, imbalance in the body. Um, specifically this hot and cold balance. Um, and so some diseases are considered cold. And some diseases are considered hot. And so traditional remedies for these conditions help restore this balance. So if you have a hot disease or a hot condition, you're going to treat it with a cold remedy um, and thus restore this balance and health to the body.
1: Um, Like cold air is kind of associated with disease. So people will wrap up in a warm blanket and like hot tea, that sort of thing.
0: Uh, Exactly right. So we're going to play a little game and see how well you can guess what diseases or treatments are hot and which ones are cold. Now, this is a popular um, traditional uh, belief and approach to health in a lot of different cultures. You see it a lot in Asian cultures with um, kind of the same ideas, yin and yang. Um, and it's very popular in the um, Latin American cultures as well. And so we're going to um, say a condition. I'm going to say a condition and you're gonna take turns answering and you get a point for every correct answer.
2: All right? Mm
1: -hmm. Okay.
2: Okay. Oh dear. Nice, I'm always down for a little competition. Not sure (laughs)
1: if I'm cut out, but I'll certainly try.
0: All right. So um, uh, we uh, drew straws earlier and Claire, (laughs) Claire is going first for us. Um, And so Claire, Mm -hmm. We're gonna start with an upper respiratory infection. Is that hot or is that cold? Upper respiratory infection.
1: I think I'm gonna go with cold just because of kind of what I said earlier, like the cold is kind of associated with colds. So i gonna go with cold.
0: Yeah. Uh, exactly, yeah, good good call. So that was a softball <laughs> yes. one there because another name for upper respiratory infection is cold, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I have a cold. And so that was a good, good call, right. Um, yeah. So upper respiratory infections, um, are typically cold. Okay. Um, all right, Weston, you're up
2: headache. Ooh, um, I think I'm also going to go cold. You would also be correct. Really? Yes. Headache
0: is typically considered oh. cold, right? Yeah. It kind of surprised me as, as well, yeah. Claire, because when I get a headache, it, you know, it's, but I guess I just, it, your whole body kind of shuts down, you stop working. Um, that's kind of the theory here. As you think about it, um, it tends to be more vasoconstrictive and lower me- metabolic states that they tend to approach as cold. And those that are more vasodilatory or associated with vasodilation um, or higher metabolic states. They tend to consider hot. So those are some hints for you as we keep going down this list. All right, Claire, you're back up and we're tied. Oh, one, okay. one sore throat. Where are you going to put sore throat?
1: Mm, I, I kind of want to lean towards hot because it's because of inflammation. So I'm going to say hot.
0: final answer.
1: That makes me nervous, but yes.
0: <laughs> hot <laughs> is correct. Good answer. Yes. Two in a row. Very good. Yes. Good answer.
2: All right. Weston diabetes. Oh gosh. I don't even know what like temperature I'd assign to this. Uh, I'll say cold again. Cold again. It is not.
0: It is Uh, a hot. Claire pulls ahead. So two to one with Claire in the lead. So yeah, they, they, uh, they put diabetes in the hot. And as practitioners, um, this is a good way to um, to help understand your patient, what they're thinking of it. And as you're explaining a disease that tends to be hot, you can talk about how the treatments that you are going to provide help to restore that balance. You can talk about what diabetes does to the body um, and how these medicines help cool off that glucose level, those glucose levels. And so it can really help patients be more accepting of the treatments that we are um, trying to help um, their conditions with. So um, something to think about. All right, Claire, we're back to you. See if you can keep that lead. Hypertension
1: hypertension um, hypertension right off the bat seems kind of hot to me. Like the there's high pressure, lots of movement. I'm going to go with hot.
0: All right. Once again, Claire pulls ahead. So hot is correct. Yeah. Hypertension is a, is a hot disease. In fact, quite often they will, they will associate it with anger and like, me oh, yeah. ah, mean, med- med- rabia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like has got so upset. Right. And, and it's a, it's a much more heated um, disease. So um, very good. All right. Weston.
2: Okay. Pneumonia. Ooh, I'm going to say cold.
0: Cold is correct. Right. Get out of that cold or you're going to catch pneumonia. Right. We, we hear that all the time. Very good. Cold. Okay. Still close game. Claire pregnancy. Oh, where would you put pregnancy?
1: There's so much going on in pregnancy. Oh man, um, I think I'd say hot because you need energy to create another person. So I'm going to say hot.
0: All right. Yes, pregnancy is Ooh, hot. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Typically, typically considered a hot disease. Very good. All right, and somewhat related to that, Weston, menstrual cramps.
2: Um, I'm going to go hot as well. I would also think hot. Oh, dang it. But it is cold. (laughs) Really? Yes,
1: I know. And Claire pulls even further ahead. (laughs) That one was unfair. (laughs) I've lost that one too.
0: (laughs) All right. GERD. Claire, what do you think? GERD. I'm thinking hot. Gastroesophageal reflux disease.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking hot because it's a bunch of acid coming up. So, hot.
0: Right, acid, and they describe yeah. it as a burning feeling. Right, me arde, mm-hmm. it burns right here. Yeah, I told you, Weston, the, number the first one <laughs> it's all the easy ones. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's oh. a good one. Five out of five. Perfect Very score. nice, clear.
2: <laughs> Weston, I don't think there's any <laughs> okay. hope here. But let's go with the last one.
0: Uh, cancer. Where would you put cancer? Uh, I think I'm gonna go. And this is another one that surprised me. I think I'm going to go cold. Cold. They, they also nice. put it in cold. Okay. Very good. So, which surprised me, but I think it might depend on the type of cancer as well. There are so many different kinds and there are some that m- might run a little more hot. Um, and so, you know, you might have to explain that to your patient. Like this, most cancers are tend to be a little bit more isolated and cold. You think of that solitary nodule kind of a thing. But this particular cancer, let's say like, um, leukemia or something like that, it is excessively, um, metabolizing in your body, you know, and so it it could be more of a hot thing and, and we need to cool that down. But again, if you, if you kind of look at this concept, um, and you're just trying to help show how the treatment helps balance out. It's all about reaching that balance, that healthy balance in the body. And that can be, again, a great addition to what you're talking about in order to uh, communicate and help your patients accept those, those treatment modalities a little bit better. Um, But nice job. Claire takes away the win. Perfect score. All
1: of the bragging points
0: or bragging rights that go along with it. Very (laughs) nice. Yeah.
1: As much as, as much as I can brag about that. I think it was just luck, but Uh, On that note, (laughs) let's go on to our next segment, which is our sustainability tip.
2: Cool. And I think, Claire, you're going to give that to us. So what do you have for us today?
1: Yeah. Well, we all know plastic is a huge problem and it just keeps getting worse.
0: Yeah. So pollution from plastic is a huge environmental threat. And there are lots of ways we can reduce our plastic waste.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, But today we're just going to talk about one, and that is using less single-use plastic bags.
2: So when you say single plastic bags, are you talking about like little sandwich or like snack bags?
1: Yeah. Like baggies. Yeah. There are lots of, of those single-use plastic bags, but those ones that we use for our lunch and snacks are a huge way that we can cut down on our waste.
0: All right. So what should we be doing instead of using those little baggies?
1: Well, there's paper bags and reusable containers or reusable bags. All of those are a simple solution, a simple swap that you can change out. It may mean that you have a few more dishes or a few more things to add to your laundry. But at the end of the day, it'll be a positive step in helping out the environment for sure.
0: Yeah, actually, um, I was suggested this tip uh, several months ago and started using silicone bags instead of single plastic bags, uh, those reusable oh. Ziploc type things. And um, and then just Tupperware um, instead um, for my lunches, just to come at work. And uh, my kids have been using them to take to school. And my wife actually commented just the other day, how much less plastic bags we're buying from the store. We just don't use them that's like awesome. we used to. Um, and it's been good. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and actually when I was in Kenya, Um, Kenya actually just uh, fairly recently outlawed these plastic bags. And my colleague was telling me that she noticed a huge difference in the amount of trash along the roadside and such um, between this trip that we went on and a trip that she had been on a few years earlier
2: before that law went into effect. Oh, wow. That's super cool. Yeah. Those are, that's a good tip. I think, Uh, Yeah, I really like the um, Tupperware thing for lunches. I think that's something I can start doing. Yeah,
1: there you go. All
2: right. Well, that wraps up our first globally minded medicine
0: podcast. So I want to thank both Weston and Claire um, for joining me and for all of you that took the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed it and will join us next time. Till then, I wanted to end with a poem and maybe we can each take our section of the of the poem. What do you think?
1: okay sounds good
2: okay
0: all right weston start us out
2: okay so if malaria is on your mind when a fever you do find you might be globally minded if you learn that cold and hot a child's game is not
0: you might be globally minded
1: and if a reusable food container is for you a real no-brainer you might be globally minded
0: nice all right we'll stay globally minded my friends Until next time.